everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm your virgin. And we're your hosts. How you doing? Good, how are you doing? Good, still sick. Aww. But I'm getting better. You are getting better, you sound much better. There was, I always do this when I get sick, I feel like, is this the one that's gonna end it? Are you serious? Well, only because it was a very deep, deep cough. And a very, a lot of congestion, very deep down. So I was like, do I go to the doctor? All they're going to do is just give me some sort of medicine I don't want to take. It's just like rest, liquids, take care of myself. And now I'm better, but I always worry that it's going to be it. In the moment. And well, because I live by myself too. That's the scary thing. You don't have anybody to kind of take care of you. So you feel like, okay, I, something bad could happen in the night and then that's it. As opposed to if you're with somebody, they'll wake you up if they feel like you're choking or something. I mean, hopefully. I hope. (laughs) I was just thinking, I was like, would Pat wake me up if I was choking? Of course he would. No, but I think. Or would he be asleep? He would be asleep in the other room because I'd be like, I'm asleep. You got to go in the other room. Yeah. And then, yeah, you don't make a sound when you choke. Oh, that's so there's no hope for me is what you're saying. I remember when I was like in my early 20s and I lived with two guys also in their early 20s and I would get so sick and I would try to like bribe them to go get me Tylenol across the street. <laughs> like we could see the Dwayne Reed from my apartment. They were always very sweet and they would do it. But I would be like, I'll give you $20. And, yeah. And, 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 and it's so pitiful. Like no one's more pitiful than when they're sick. So this week's book is The Hunter by Kerrigan Byrne. Even still, at this moment, he was searching the crowd for her with a stunning sense of what he could only identify as anticipation. Not for the violence, but just for another glimpse of her dark and mesmerizing eyes. Grimacing and shaking his head, he took up a silent guard against the far wall, hoping the odd sensation would dissipate. That she could affect him so was an impossibility. What sort of creature was she? According to Dashforth, Millie LaCour was a liar and blackmailer, a charismatic narcissist dancing with a death sentence, a mark with private rooms above Bow Street. It was all Argent needed to know. Wasn't it? So, why was he here prowling amongst the crowds of common people like a serpent in a container of mice? Oh, yes, reconnaissance. He'd do well to remember that. You actually... Uh, swooned about Kerrigan Byrne, and uh, her book sounded so cool that I demanded, demanded we read one immediately. And we did. And we we read did. The very first, yeah, this is the first week of the new month. Mm-hmm. Um, I got nervous as I was also reading this. I'm like, I do love these books. They are so pulpy. But I was just like, I was like, maybe this isn't the great, the best one. But I do, I did love it. Before we jump in, we need to judge this cover. Oh, you're right. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. The covers of this entire series, everyone, fucking perfection, chef's kiss. This is what I want from a romance cover. Mm. It is a woman in a a beautiful gown, a man with his shirt half off the back of his shirt. We're just seeing the side of them. Now, the only thing I would say about this is that if you know, if you read this book and you know our hero, Christopher, or Argent, as he's known, 
He is very scarred. So his back is a patchwork mess. This gentleman does not have scars on his back, understandably, because this is a cover. You don't want to have a scarred back on the cover because that's going to be less romantic. But it's not necessarily authentically him on the cover. So that would be my only negative on this. But otherwise, I'm going to read this book any day of the week. Oh, this is fantastic. I love this cover. Yeah, I wish I could show you all of the covers from the series because they all are like truly perfection. I mean, this also like... Christopher is constantly talked about as a giant. These people are like more or less the same height. I don't care. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's so good. It's such a great cover. Yeah, he's a hulking dude. Yeah. Yeah, 10 out of 10. Um, all right, Clayton, what was this book about? So this book is about Christopher Argent, who grew up in a prison, was taught to kill by his uh, a martial artist's master. He is the best assassin in all of London. He is hired to kill a woman named Millie LeCour. Is that close enough? LeCour. LeCour, who's an actress. And he is, he, he always gets his person brutally murdered. So many people, heartless, cold, sees her. She, as a performer, always picks out one person in the audience to act to, to do her performance for. And she just so happens to see a shadowy, hulking figure and aims her performance at him, blows a kiss at him, all this stuff. And he falls in love with her. And instead of killing her, he kisses her. This happens several times. (laughs) He tries to kill her and he ends up kissing her. So anyway, he says, I can't kill her. I can't do this. He says, I want the contract uh, negated. Nobody's taking this contract because I'm protecting her. So this starts a whole thing where people are still trying to kill her. He has to kill some people. And then while this is going on, women are being butchered and their children are, their uh, uh, kids are being kidnapped. They can't find where they are. They're just disappearing. Um, We learn what happens with that, but as we know in this book, in all our romances, they end up falling in love and being together. So that was the book in kind of a wide view. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you know what liqueur means? Liquor. The heart. Liqueur means heart. Yeah. Wow. So she's Millie Hart. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so what did you think? I mean, I, I love these. I loved it. Did you? <laughs> uh, it's so fucking bloody. I loved it. It's so much. It's hilarious. That's the, I listened back to me recommending the Victorian Rebel series, and I kept saying it was hilarious, and it's not. It's a very dark book, and it's not particularly funny, but I think that, like, the pulpiness and the tropiness and the over-the-topness makes it so much fun to read and so interesting you can't stop that like for some reason that elicits like hilarious but you're just like i love this i'm having such a good time this book is also wild yeah but a wild book where still like characters you really feel for and feel like actual real people it's not like they're just sort of like um cut in hollow characters like she's good he's bad they are like fully developed people Mm -hmm. even from the beginning he's a kid who his mother was in prison 
she was being used by guards and prisoners and things like that. Very horrible. It made me think of the movie Room a little bit at first. But he ends up, um, some people come into the cell, attack his mom. He, he fights one of them off and she pays for it with her life. He ends up in a pool of her blood as a child, very young child. Now, this is not funny, but it is, like you said, extremely pulpy. Mm-hmm. He grows up. He's this big hulking man, cold, heartless killer. And when he meets Millie, it n- makes his mind go nuts. He doesn't understand what he, what's happening, how he's feeling. There's a great scene at the beginning where he's trying to figure out his feelings. So he goes to this underground fighting ring and takes on three guys. And the whole time he's thinking of her like, what does this mean? And what does this mean? And what did, when she did this, what is this? And he's beating the crap out of these guys and killing them. And I just loved it. I loved every second of it. I love the fact that there was a, another assassin that he had, uh, what was his name? Dor, uh, Dormier? Dorman? Dorman. And uh, he, they had like a fun kind of battle with each other, although they would each try to kill each other, but there was that respect of assassins, and I love that kind of reportee that they had. It, it, it was, I, I loved it. I loved it. The only thing I would say I didn't love so much is Jacob. Yaakov. Yaakov, who is... Annoying. He wasn't horrible, but I don't like kids hanging around romances. It bums me out. Yeah. With Yaakov in particular, I feel like I kept forgetting how old he was supposed to be. Uh Because then they mentioned that he was eight, and I was like, oh, God, he's that old? He seemed way younger the way he acted. The way he acted, he seemed like five, six. And – but – I'm not normally a huge fan of kids in romances either, but I do feel like so much of the story was about history repeating itself and writing the wrongs of history and um, not being able to escape your fate and all these things. Um, So it's sort of, you know, that Christopher had that experience with his mother when he was a child where his mother was sort of um, paying for things with her body in order to have like a better life for him. And, Someone is after uh, Millie and Yaakov, so she um, agrees to Christopher's protection and that she'll sleep with him in order to gain that protection, which is like such a mirror of his mother. It took him longer than I expected to figure that out. Yes. But then, um, you know, him sort of being able to right that wrong in a way meant that, you know, Yaakov had to kind of exist. But... Yeah, I I think kids are hard. Kids are hard to write and they're hard to have in stories and they're hard to feel authentic. I mean, there's a few cute scenes with him, uh, with Yakov and and Christopher kind of bonding and stuff. And yeah, there was that parallel. He has a few rules when it comes to killing, um, one of which he doesn't kill children. He also doesn't leave clues and, and hints and stuff behind, which is Because he's like, oh, yeah, it's exhausting. Why? Yeah. Well, because it's – I think it's it's funny that's one of his rules because I'm, I'm sure a lot of these assassins are like, I got to have a thing. I got to have a thing that I leave that's cool, that makes people scared, and he doesn't do any of that shit. He's like, I'm in and I'm out. 
I do it with my hands. I'm, I'm that brutal. And uh, he talked about a brooding hero. Brooded. And fresh scent of pining hero. He pined. Because yeah. he would think about things she said would ring in his ears constantly. He lived a very dark, sad life. Because when he brings her back to his home, which is a beautiful home that she's surprised, that he has like a butler and shit. And then he I love his a, butler too. His yeah. butler was like such a like a stickler for manners and yeah. everything. Yeah. He was a cool dude. And he takes her to this like closet that he lives in. Like it's this big house and he has this little closet because he he's used to staying in small spaces. He was born in a prison, basically. So No, literally. Yeah, he was born in a prison. So that was a very interesting touch. Uh, the thing that he never has sex with women facing him, he got over that. But their first time they have sex, he, uh, you know, takes her from behind. And also what he realizes, and he gets really upset, about it to himself is that he thought Millie was a prostitute or had prostituted herself Well, because out. she also literally told him that. Too. Yes, yes. And he didn't judge her for being a prostitute, but he was like, well, if I'm going to find out who's after you guys, like who is his father? Exactly. And she said, I don't know. I went to a masquerade ball. Everyone was wearing masks and uh-huh. basically like, had sex with a ton of people and one of them was the father, which is like yeah, a fun thing for her to come up with, but wasn't true. Wasn't true. Um, because Yaakov is not her son. Not by blood. No. Well, not by blood. But she was also a trope that I just realized is a trope. Surprise virgin. Yeah, surprise virgin. There are a lot of surprise virgins. Yeah, because she bleeds. And he was very upset about it. Because he did not think that he was taking her virginity. Um, But the son turns out to be her friend's son, Agnes who was murdered during this whole plot. Uh, so what did you think of the whole mystery? Did you think that it was, I mean, I think it was pretty easy to kind of figure out what was going on. Because it was only women with sons that were being murdered. Yeah. Well, it was easy to make that connection with um, Drummond because he was into sort of like a more sadistic way of murdering. Like for Christopher, it was very like, economical i'm gonna go in murder this guy get out not really think about it he didn't particularly take pleasure in killing people like it was what he was good at but Mm -hmm. he didn't it's not like it was his like it was like snaking the toilet to him yeah you know he's a plumber he's snaking the toilet he doesn't take it slow really enjoy it like some plumbers do (laughs) but this guy was like like a sadistic fuck and then the women like some of them like their uteruses would be removed yeah he cut out their womb I he always, cut out Agnes's womb. Yeah, and I always wondered if that was like a like a nod to him maybe being Jack the Ripper. Then it never really followed that to like a more specific conclusion. But I was like, yeah, that it would be the same time frame. Um, but they do mention in this book that there's a lot of murdering going on in in, in London, like just not even related to this stuff. Just people get murdered. It's just like a brutal place to live at this time, uh, you know, in history. And we hear from Detective Morley, who is like a recurring character and will probably get his own book, although he hasn't had one yet. Um, 
And I'm just like, how did anyone ever solve any murders? Yes. They had no like, forensics. No pictures of people. Uh-huh. You could just go to another town and be like, my name's Bob now. And people be like, hey, Bob. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Why you got that knife, Bob? <laughs> None of your business. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not surprised that it was like a brutal time. And like sort of from what I know, which is like not a ton about Victorian London, but like it does seem like it was very brutal. Uh-huh. Well, people would just move to towns and and like you said change identities or just disappear and then their families never heard from them yeah so this particular one i mean i liked it i felt like it was constantly serving the story in a way that i think other times we've read miss books with a mystery in it that the mystery is like so tertiary Mm -hmm. this was like integral to the plot yeah um it does also does do a great job of setting up the next book okay the next book is um so Dorian's brother, the demon Highlander, they talk about a little yeah. bit. So they send Mina, the wife of St. Vincent, who spilled the beans on the whole plot, to act as his nanny, pretend that she's like just a nanny to for him to keep her safe. Okay. And then, guess what happens? Ah, uh, they fall in love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's a great one, too. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, and I thought it, it was interesting and it also, like, made sense. I mean, there was a little bit of, like, the evil woman trope, but I didn't think it was – I don't know. But the way that they set it up made sense to me mm-hmm. where it's like – so basically what had been happening was this man was just basically, like, whoring it up around town. Lord Thurston. Mm-hmm. And he had had Thirsty a bunch- for Poon. <laughs> and so he had kids all over the place. We uh, we assume he probably also had daughters, but we only ever heard about the sons. Uh-huh. And one of his sons being Yakov, and his wife couldn't um, bear live children. So it seems like she had had a lot of miscarriages and a lot of stillbirths, which is like would eventually sort of drive you nuts. Drive you nuts, especially in this time where women's only goal was to have children, especially women in this um, culturally. Uh, you know, in that um, class of people. It was sort of like just about keeping the the lines going. Um, so I understand how that would also like make you crazy after a little while when if you're watching your husband have children with other women and not you. So she is the one who hires Drummond to kill all these women and she takes all the little boys and brings them out to the the country and is making them fight in order to well, decide. That's the worst part is that yeah. she's not just – taking these kids and giving them a better life, quote-unquote better life, mm-hmm. she's pitting them against each other, and she's going to choose one. Yeah. So God knows what she was going to do with the ones that did not live up to her expectations. Probably kill them. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it was messed up. Yeah. Um, And it turns out also that um, he, before he died, he named um, Millie's son, Yakov as his heir. Yeah. Which is great. That's great. It's a fun button. I feel like we're getting ahead of it because there's so much good stuff at the beginning, too. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of the book, he's got the assignment to kill her. He goes to the play. She does the entire show just to him. He basically falls in love with her. There's a party after the show where she has to, like, mix and mingle with all the people who donate to the theater. And he shows up, pretends his name is Bentley Drummel. That's the worst name, Drummel. And she also, as she's thinking about him later, she's like, he was hot. I was definitely into him, but like that name. That like, name sucks. Um, and so they dance and she is like, takes him into a dark corner. And 
he basically goes to strangle her and she thinks he's about to kiss her and he's taking too long. And she's like, I don't know why he's not like grabbing my waist or my breast or anything. He sort of is, puts his hand around her neck and says, she says, if you don't kiss me, I'll die. Oh, and that, that <sighs> echoes through his head so long. God, that was so great. But it was true. Yeah. And so then they make out. Then he decides he's going to try to kill her again. Yeah. So he's been casing the joint. She goes to the like a sauna pools with her best friend and is naked as a jaybird in the pool. And he like jumps in behind her. Uh huh. Oh, it's that's such so, a good scene. That's such a good scene. And he tries again to kill her, but ends up kissing her. Yeah. Oh. And that's when he sort of decides, "Fuck it, I can't. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm just, I'll just protect you." Yeah. And then, yeah, he goes to the guy who gave him the assignment, um, who was a, uh, he's the guy who the um, assassinations go through, mm-hmm. uh, who is also, uh, in this book, a guy who has sex with boys, from what Argent says, Christopher says. And so he wants to say, no contract, no contract, and the guy's like, it's too late, the contract's still on or whatever. So he kills the guy, <laughs> and uh, he, he's not supposed to kill that guy. But he is like, well, I'm going to kill him, and that's fine because he's a boy fucker. So that makes he's me a pedophile. Feel, that makes me feel better uh, that I killed this dude. But that showed his just he doesn't do that. That's bad for business, and he's doing all these things that are really bad for his business because of her. Uh, yeah, I, I man, I just loved how bloody it was. I loved how many murders there were. He was just like, this person's in my way, and so now I murder uh-huh. him, and then we keep it moving. And this is what I liked about this book. He, murder was a tool for him, but he does have a heart because once he had feelings for somebody, he could not do it. And so they have sex the first time where just basically that first night that he offers his protection, and it's very, it's not good. And no. she's sort of like, she's like, well, it wasn't the worst, but you know, I do think... There's supposed to be an orgasm. It uh-huh. seems like it. I've heard a lot of women have orgasms. It seems like there's definitely more to it. And then a few days later, she hears him having a nightmare. And so she goes into his like little closet room and they basically just start having sex. Uh-huh. And she knows that he's still sleeping and thinks this is a dream. Uh-huh. She's rolls with it. Yeah. Because she's like, mm, I want to bang him. So I let's just do this. this. She's like, also, oh, I think if I wake him up, he might kill me. And this is so much better. Yes. And that whole scene was perfection uh-huh. because you start in Millie's mind from Millie's point of view. And then when you switch to Christopher's, it is so amazing. And you sort of realize the depth of how much he cares for her already. And he talks about how he doesn't want to come because he knows when he comes, that's when the dream is over and how horrible it is and how sad he is when that happens. Yeah, because it's a dream when she stays and it's a nightmare when she runs away. Mm-hmm. So this has been a dream that he's had several times. Yeah. And then he comes and she's still there and he's like, oh, wait, huh? Yeah. So he runs because he's sort of horrified because he never has sex with women with him on top because that's how he used to, he saw his mother. Yeah. And he felt like it was awful and it's like demeaning to women. But Millie's into it. Not as demeaning as, I mean, he thinks it's less demeaning to fuck them from behind and never look at them. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It's not, there's not a lot going on. Like, yeah, it's, but it's also like a trauma survivor too. It's like you come up with weird things. Yes. To make, yeah. To make things okay. So it's like, yeah, that's weird and doesn't really hold up to the snuff test. But I do understand how somebody 
why he thought that, and that seems like a true character trait for him. Yeah. This kind of book is my wheelhouse. This kind of book is where I really – these are the kind of romances that I'm very into. Because as soon as I started reading it, I was hooked. I was hooked in the fact that he's this kid that's, you know, living in a prison, getting trained to fight. We have this horrible, brutal thing happen to his mom and then cut to the future and he's this cool assassin that kills people. But then there's also sex in it. I, I This is just a great book. I loved all the scenes of her in the theater, her as an actress. It was just like an interesting heroine to have well the thing is she's always uh in the play she was in she's always dying Mm -hmm. that's the thing and then at the end when uh, of course again like a lot of these books um she gets shot in like the (laughs) last like it's the last like 10 pages or something she gets shot but there's a lot of fake blood and real blood and so he is it's mirroring that uh, death of his mom, which was so traumatizing. Now she, of course, survives. But it's one of those things where you know the symbolism of that, of like him again holding a person, a-, a woman he loved in a pool of blood, is just like enough to drive a man crazy. I loved also the first line of that chapter. So like the chapter before you find out that there is an assassin coming for Millie, and then the first line of the next chapter is. Um, she ne- she always forgot how long it took to prepare for death. Yeah, that's such a great line. Uh, I mean, Carrie Gilbert is a fantastic writer. Yes. This is a not an easy thing to do where it's like this pulpy and tropey and over the top, but have it be so grounded in truth and have the characters be so feel real and have their motivations feel real and what they do feel real and even like re- when they say ridiculous over the top lines you're like yes oh that's perfect that they said that absolutely bananas thing yeah and i think that's why i usually don't like heavy stuff in romances although and, and like there was so much heavy stuff going on in here but there is a level of pulpiness to it that makes it less um real life and more part of a story so i think i have an easier time with it like what happened to his mom and things like that and even the brutality of the murders of the women is really rough to think that these women were murdered the way they are but it's done in such a i don't want to say over the top but it it is all in service of this kind of plot that is very pulpy so it is easier to stomach it it's almost like a fairy tale or something. So mm-hmm. many fairy tales are so brutal, but that's not the part you focus on. So it's like, this is a brutal book, but that's not the part that you really focus on. Yeah. Well, all that being said, would you fuck them? Yes. And I yes. think this is a no-brainer. I'd fuck them both. Yeah. Um, so the scars on him wouldn't bother you, like, because that's hot. Yeah. Okay. She found it. Yeah. yeah. The first time she sees him with his shirt off and all the scars... She's immediately attracted to him, and he has this giant scar on his shoulder where tar was poured yes. over him, which was so disgusting when he talks about having to, like, pick it off all night. Oh, it must have been awful, but she would just, like, couldn't help but keep touching it. Yeah. Because he was sexy as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Scars are definitely sexy. Mm-hmm. If, if they're, well, yeah, if they're earned in the way that I think he earned them. Um, murdering people? Yes. <laughs> Uh, you would fuck them both, right? Yes, of course. Yeah, Millie sounded hot. Yes. Yeah, everyone seemed amazing. Um, 
Yeah, what's next? Goodreads list? Goodreads. Let's do it. This got to be on a thousand Goodreads list. It's not. It's on like two pages. It came out three years ago. I don't understand why people don't put it on more. We would put it on Fresh Scent of Pining Hero, Bad Boys Meet the Virgins. I'd hit that. I'd hit that. Come on, people. The most important list of all. Monogamy is important. Yes, monogamy is important. Monogamy is <laughs> nature. Monogamy. I wish I, I want to memorize that so I can just uh, just take it, you know, say it. Yeah. So here are the lists it's on that weren't just like releases in 2016 we're looking forward to, which is like, I don't care. All right. Hot, steamy, sensual, historical romance books. Yes. Steamy. Hot sex. Have we talked about how good the sex was? I think we did. But yeah, it's great. Great. Tortured Heroes of Historical Romance. Tortured. Very tortured. Tortured physically and also tortured emotionally. Tortured by his love of the heroine? Uh-huh. Yes. Wicked Heroes of Historical Romance. Wicked? Yeah, I guess he's wicked because he kills a bunch of people. It is so easy to forget because you also do so root for him, basically from the jump. I root for him to kill everybody. He murdered everyone who ever touched his mother. Uh-huh. Love it. Mm-hmm. You love to see it. Yes. Kill all those guards, those assholes. Oh, fuck them. Kill them. Um, and, yeah. I Didn't think kill Millie, which was the only important person not to kill. Mm-hmm. He knows when not to kill. Yeah. Millie. Yeah. Although he says he's murdered other mothers before, so I was like, oh, Jesus. Oh, okay, but. We're going to keep it going. They must have done something. Yeah. Hero in disguise. Yes. <laughs> Bentley Drummle. Bentley Drummle. Which is also like a Dickens like Dickens character. Is it really? I mean, that's what they say in the book. I don't know. I've not read Dickens. No, I haven't had the pleasure either. No, I have. Well, I've read A Christmas Carol. Okay. Everyone has. I saw them up at Christmas Carol. And I mean, that is the best version. Yes. Hands down. Who's the, who's Scrooge? Uh, is it Michael Caine? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so good. The musical numbers, we love it. Um, historical romance, redheaded heroine or hero? Yes. He's redheaded. Yes. Um, best bodice ripper romances? Yes. This is a bodice ripper. Oh, yeah. Best ever historical romance novel? I could, yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. I mean, if it's a list, mm-hmm. then this is on the list. Yes, this is on the list. And what were your tropes? That's it? Yeah, I sad. It, should be, it deserves to be on so many more lists. Guys, that's sick. Yeah. Bloody Good Time. It should be on a list called Bloody Good Time. You should start that list. I should. I think it doesn't reflect how many, how well-loved it is. Because I do feel like people love this series. Okay. Maybe they review, like, maybe they put a lot of, like, the Highwaymen on a a lot of lists. You know, like, uh, because is that the, that's the first book. Yeah. Um, Okay. My tropes. Love at First Sight. Because he was in love at first sight with Millie. And she kind of was too. Yeah, she was very attracted to, to, to that figure. Mm-hmm. And then she met him at the party. Assassin hero. Tortured hero. Brooding hero. Bastard son, which is what Yakov is. Annoying kid, which is what Yakov is. <laughs> um, actress heroine. Uh, surprise virgin, which is... One of my new favorite tropes. Yeah. What are your tropes? My tropes are meeting under false circumstances, children in romance, hero and child have a special bond because he really is like a father to him. Oh, we didn't talk about when after sort of everything has been taken care of 
and he Millie goes up to see Yaakov one last time after um she had been kidnapped at the end. We didn't even talk about that. She gets kidnapped at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. And she overhears Christopher talking to Yaakov and sort of calming him down and telling him, like, it's okay to be a child while you're a child. And it's really, really sweet. Yeah. Um, sleep sex. Yes. Hero with weird sexy quirk. Sex quirk. Mm-hmm. Hero can only sleep rough in closet. Because I feel like I've seen that other times where, like, heroes can only sleep in, like, dinky places. Oh, Scarred Hero. I forgot. Scarred Hero. Scarred Hero. Yeah. Uh, not being able to profess love until watching heroin almost die. That's happened a few times. Heroin gets shot, and then he's like, I do love her. Mm-hmm. I think he knew he loved her, but he just didn't want to tell her. He was trying to walk away. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was not working well. Um, heroin on deathbed. Um, sex as payment, but now it's more turns into love. And a sex contract. Hmm. I will protect you mm-hmm. if you have sex with me. With the sex. Yeah. Nice. All right. I feel like we should talk more about it, but then I also don't know what to say other than I just loved it. Yeah. And then we could just be repeating scenes to each other. Absolutely. That's the thing, because I want people to read this book. Yeah. I don't want to... I know we spoil everything, but I don't want to give everything away. Yeah. So read this book. Let us know what you think. We want to hear. Besides The Hunter, what has you swooning this week? So, Aaron, what um, I'm swooning about is a book, it's a memoir, but it's written by two sisters, and they they alternate chapters. It's called High School by Sarah and Tegan Quinn, who are the music duo Tegan and Sarah. Uh, it's re- actually a very interesting book because it focuses on their time in high school. Now, they're pretty much the same age as me. So this is mid to late 90s. Uh, the music's all the same. That kind of, those touch points are the same. The difference is they are queer sisters. So they are both queer. And it's them navigating high school with all those feelings, but also with all of the, uh, you know, stuff that you deal with as a high school kid. And what this book does really well is shows that kind of feeling you have when you're attracted to somebody and that longing and all those feelings came back to me so vividly reading this book, even though it's from a different angle. And obviously there are added things to that being queer as opposed to being somebody like myself who is straight. So I think this is a really great book for anybody to read about a coming of age of two like really amazing artists that I really love their music and uh, also a time period that I really that really resonates with me because it's when I was in high school as well. So it's called High School <laughs> and it's by uh, Tegan and Sarah Quinn and I recommend it highly. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Get that. Aaron, what are you swooning about? Um, so I'm swooning about a movie that has been out for a while now. Okay. Hustlers. Oh, yes. <laughs> I loved this movie. I saw it the day it was uh, opening day. And we were in a theater. Originally, the movie theater had us in a smaller theater. And so many people bought tickets. They oversold it. So they had to move us to a bigger theater. It ended up being a nightmare because like, some people still had seats assigned to them. Some people didn't. But it, it doesn't matter. It was a lot of groups of women. 
I love this movie. It is based on an article called The Hustlers at Scores, which if you haven't read that, read that. It's so good. Um, And it's just a really great movie. And it centers um, sort of the person in movies that normally is just sort of comes in at the – at certain points, she doesn't get a full life. But it's all about these strippers who in 2008, when the market crashes, have to sort of figure out alternative ways of making money because they just were sort of living the high life. I remember this so specifically too. I was not a stripper in 2008, but I was a bartender. And I remember how shocking it was that I went from making like um, three to $500 a night to making maybe one, maybe two. Um, and how quickly that happened. I worked somewhere where our main like groups of people that would come in were all from Lehman and Bear Stearns, two places that do not exist anymore. So I found that so interesting that 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 time in history portrayed um, that I remembered so vividly and it was portrayed so perfectly in sort of the the way that it was. There's the like truly one of the best cameos I've ever seen is in this movie. I don't want to say who it is, but it is like perfection. Um, it's so fun to watch. So many of my friends have said they walked out of the theater like punching the air because they were just like fucking pumped. So many people have seen it more than once. I um, I loved it. So and it is uh, written and directed by um, Lorraine Scarfa, who I also really love and I think is super talented. So yeah, she Hustlers. did a movie called The Meddler. I loved which The Meddler. I loved. Yeah, it's a great movie. So good. Let's check that out too. A couple yep. years ago. Yeah, The Meddler. I'm sure it's on Amazon. It's somewhere. It's it's fun. I I saw it. Oh, I saw it in that movie theater that was like under that apartment building in the Upper West Side. That now is no longer there. I know. Lincoln Plaza. Yeah. Yeah. It was so fun. We walked by that after we saw Rambo last night. <laughs> the, the abandoned Lincoln Plaza theater. It's just abandoned. They didn't change it into anything else. Uh, they said they were going to make it another theater, maybe, but I don't know. I mean, the only way to see The Meddler is to see it um, on a weekday afternoon with a bunch of Jew- old Jewish women on the Upper West Side, in this tiny theater in the basement of a building. Yeah. you If you can't do that anymore, you can't have that unique experience I had. So, you know, next best thing is just sort of on your couch, I guess. Yeah, but. your enjoyment will be 75% less, but still. Yeah. Aaron. Yeah? Where can they find us? Um, you can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Learning Tropes and on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. Um, and then we also have our Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop, which come and join us. It's fun over there. Um, and as always, rate, review, subscribe. I know it's annoying. Every podcast says it, but it's how people find us. And so we really do appreciate it um, if you take the time. And you guys have been doing a great job. I think as of this recording, we have 91 Ooh. reviews on Apple Podcasts, which is amazing because we don't do any kind of advertising. It's all you guys talking to each other, sharing it with your friends and your family, and we really appreciate it. So, thank you. Thanks so much, everybody, and we will see you next week. We are going to be reading American Dreamer by Adriana Herrera. Um, So go ahead, pick that up, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.